This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone listening. This is VORW International. And uh, thank you for checking out this new one, this new show, that is. And uh, it's much appreciated. Uh, here we are. It's, uh, well, let's see, I'm at the microphone. Let's, uh, let's do a date check. Wednesday the 22nd of April, 2020. Uh, I'll get right into things. The majority of this show uh, was recorded yesterday. And it's going to be more of a... Not retro, that's the wrong word for it. Throwback, maybe? For those of you who have been long-time listeners, uh, it's going to conjure up, you know, some vibes of how the show used to be from, let's say, 2014 to maybe 2018, early 2019, and um, I hope you like it, though. Uh, It's not going to be for everyone, though. I can tell you that right now. And I know that's not the right thing to say, but uh, it's true. Um, Because the means that I used to record this program, at least the vast majority of it, is very different from what I'm using right now. Uh, I took my old microphone, busted it out of retirement, because I enjoy the portability that it has, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, so I know the fidelity might bother some people, and I apologize. It's just, this this show I'm just doing for, for fun. Um, it's a, something that I really wanted to do. Uh, again, I know some people, they're going to be like, what's going on with the sound? What's the matter with you? Why are you doing this? What's your problem? But uh, it's just something I want to do. That's all, that's all I've got, for better or for worse. Hope you enjoy it, though. I had a lot of fun, uh recording it, and I guess that's what matters. But I really hope you enjoy it. I, I hope you do. And, uh, yeah, this one's just for fun. Just, I'm doing it to do it, uh, is the best, um, best explanation. But anyway, uh, that number one. Number two, uh, thank you so much to everyone out there who, uh, supported this show. I, you know, I felt terrible having to do this, um, this call for donations, because I, I just, I hate doing it. It's just not, not something I ever want to do. And uh, more often than not, I just try to avoid it at all costs, and then it ends up hurting me. And, um, but thank you for, for your understanding, and to all of you who did help out, thank you so much. Uh, it really, it, it, it came as a good time, as uh, I got a notice uh, from a radio station. I'm not going to name names, because I have a lot of respect for them. Um, but they uh, wanted to increase their airtime rate by like three times on me. And uh, it's just, I, I told them it's not going to happen. I said, you know, if I have to leave, I have to leave. But I imagine that they must just be, be going through difficult times too. So if my schedule changes at all, I'll, I'll let you know. But so far, um, it looks like we'll be able to keep things going into another month, which is good news. Um, but thank you all so much to everyone who supported, and uh, I'm going to try to get a good, uh, a good round of just some, some thank yous sent out to everyone who, uh, who did donate. I I want to I want to reach everyone, because I really I'm so I'm I'm so thankful for your support. Uh, if you do want to help this show out, like I said, um, in the last one, 
Of course, times are tough for everyone. And uh, this program does have its expenses, of course. Uh, the ad rates for the main channel, the report of the week, are uh, down drastically, you know, probably in upwards of 70-80%. And um, for this channel, it was kind of funny. YouTube said that they would, you could monetize coronavirus stuff, but they still demonetized a lot of it. So it's, you know, what can you do? It's their site. But if you do want to help out, you can do it via PayPal to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. And uh, with that, let's just uh, get right into it. This is going to be a good show. It's got um, it's got some length to it. I think it's going to be like an hour, 30 minutes or so. Hope you enjoy it. This is V-O-R-W. Well, I hope everyone's doing okay, wherever you are, wherever you may be, wherever you, well, wherever you might not be. But I hope you're doing all right. Hope you're hanging in there. And uh, welcome to this newest edition. Obviously, at least what the plan is, I haven't done it yet, but I'm sure you just heard it. You know, do some sort of introduction to this uh, in a more professional setting. You know, so then when it gets to the point where you're hearing this, you know, some people might remember it, some might not. Some may be a fan of it, some might not be, etc. But it's just a personal, stylistic choice. It's not really like there's much to contribute anyway um in today's show it's really just going to be miscellaneous conjecture or conjecture <laughs> nothing of real substance or, or any of that but this uh, this setup that i'm using today obviously because see there's a trade-off that's that's the thing that's what we all have to remember i think that goes for a lot of things in life a, a trade-off right if you make a switch from one thing to another, uh, maybe you realize it right then and there, maybe not. Um, but you sacrifice certain qualities, certain aspects, perhaps certain benefits, in substitute uh, for one that is deemed, for the most part, greater or, or better. And uh, that's how it is. Microphone setup is not immune to, to such things at all. It never has been, perhaps never will be. But you see, back in I guess it was early 2019 when I made the change because originally this this microphone was all that I used from early 2014. I mean, just uh, until 2019. And uh, of course, people didn't like its fidelity, right? People weren't um. They, they, they weren't a fan of just how... It kind of sounds like AM radio, you know. When, when you listen to podcasts and stuff, you want it to be crisp. You know, crisp and crystal clear. But you see, the one benefit that this, this microphone, despite its issues with uh, its fidelity and perhaps inferior sound quality, benefit that it had, which the other setup just, just doesn't, uh, was its size. Its size and its portability. Because, see, the other setup that I, I use now is a real microphone setup. I mean, it's full-blown. It's got... I mean, it's... Of course, I think it's great quality. I mean, you could compare it from my intro to now. It has the good microphone. It has the stand. It has uh, the boom mic. No, no, what is, what is it called? I guess it is like a boom arm. 
the uh, filter, the, the pop filter, has, I mean, all these different little things that it's just, it's great. And I like it. Uh, just the problem is that it's not, it's not portable. Alright, in so much that, you know, it, it requires, in order to function, it requires its own power supply. And, okay, maybe you can, and also, you know, if you hook it onto the arm and everything and the filter, it's not like you're going to haul around all this stuff just to walk around. So you just leave it in one place and set up a, a recording area around it. But let's say I just really want to talk, I really want to record something, and I want to do it outside. I can't really do that anymore. You know, again, maybe I can just take it off of its, uh, off of everything, just the microphone, and have it connected to maybe my computer to record it. But even then, I'm still kind of limited as to how far, how far do I want to walk around? You know, I still have the cord that limits me, and I'd still have my computer that I have to move around, and... You know, I can't really go for a walk hauling all that with me, so... It has its limitations, which... Of course, are largely made up by its, uh, its good quality sound, but... That's, that's the thing. This little, this little microphone... May not sound the best, but you could, you could drag it anywhere. I mean, anywhere you want. I could go and walk, you know... Two miles right now, I'm not going to. But, I, you know, theoretically... I could, and I could bring this with me the whole time, and, and, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't hurt me at all, be okay. It's so small, too, it's so portable. So that's one of those things that you kind of miss, and I was thinking, I said, eh, I'm gonna resurrect it, and, eh, it, you know, it's just, it's, it's on me. It's on me. So that's why, because I, I know, maybe some of you who have been listening for a while, who have, who have been here a long time, you know, you might be familiar with it, um, but lots of us might be newer listeners and not, not so sure. So that's just a little bit of a story in terms of that and uh, how it how that came to be. But anyway, as, uh, well, as this is going out, I'm still kind of waking up a little bit myself. Doing okay. Doing okay. Had a bit of a... Um, experience the other day that I'll, I'll share in the next show that I do, but it was a unique one, I'll tell, I'll tell you that, from, with some dental work, but successfully done. I just had a lesson in emergency pandemic uh, dentistry, so I had to, had to get some stuff taken care of, because it it all goes back to 2016, this, this you know, he had this terrible dental work done back then by a dentist who obviously, with all due respect, and and see, this is another thing where I think some people go wrong. Uh, people they treat, they they assume, and you know, all that I'll say is just remember when it, remember the phrase, what they say about people who make assumptions. They assume that anyone who is a doctor is obviously talented and skilled and respectful and will do a good job. Uh, And that's simply not true. Now that goes for any medical field, but of course dentistry as well. Uh, 
you know, you have dentists, yes, who have the qualifications, and they do a darn good job. And they, they're fantastic, they're professional, but they're courteous. They admire their work, they're proud of their work, they do a good job, they really want to make sure you're taken care of. I now realize dentists like that are a dying breed, and it's sad. Most of the time you have these dentists that are there and they... It's like either A, they act like they're just angry to see you. I never understood that attitude. Why? It's like sometimes they're just like they're pissed off. It's like they don't even want to see you. And it's like, you, you know, I I don't know. It's like, do you not want me to be here or, or what? Number two, sometimes just the quality of work is just abysmal. Back in 2016, I didn't know any better. Granted, this person was my dentist before then, you know. From probably like 2002 to 2016 or so. And, uh, you know, when they're the only dentist that I had ever been to before then, it, uh, it was... Y- you didn't know. You thought now that I realized it was just deplorable treatment, I thought that's just how it was supposed to be. Because, like, what, what did I have it to compare it to? Nothing. And all I knew is that people didn't like going to the dentist, so I thought this is just part of the experience. I, d- I didn't realize that when, when, when they're doing fillings, for a while, I, I didn't even realize they were supposed to numb you. They wouldn't even do that. They would just drill in without anything. And I thought all of them had problems with the billing and uh, would overcharge you and do this stuff and try and screw you over. Anyway, I'm just kind of ranting because I still am upset. I'm upset with them that you go you go there to try to fix problems. Right? That's that's why you go to the dentist for the most part. I mean, some of us go there just for cleaning and and general upkeep. Granted, but I think a lot of us we we try to avoid that and we go to uh, the dentist in order to uh, you know fix an issue that that may be present. It's like, okay, I have this pain. I know that if I go here, they will help. They will make it go away. They will make it better. And uh, that's why we go. And, And when you go there, you go in with a certain understanding, a certain faith that... They're going to do what what you you expect them to do. Not like, you know, you're barking at the mortars. Do this. Do that. You know, it's... But, you know, you think, okay, I have this cavity, and you're going to walk in with that pain, that discomfort, whatever. And uh, you're going to walk out with a nice filling and uh, one less problem in your mouth. So, you just expect them to do the right thing. That's what I'm trying to say. You you expect them to stick to their principles. Maybe it won't be a perfect job, but to do a good job. And help you out. That's what you're there for. That's what you're paying for. And when that doesn't... When that doesn't happen... Yeah, it's disappointing. Especially when you don't realize till years later 
that you were taken advantage of in that situation, and there's nothing you could really do about it now. So far at this point, that dentist that I used to go to, again, until around 2016, has been responsible for messing up. Let's see how many teeth it is now. One, two, three, four, five, five teeth at least. Two teeth had to be extracted. They were just that, it was that bad. One tooth filling popped out. Was almost at the nerve, but thankfully they were able to get that taken care of. Another tooth that had they never filled it properly, that was an issue. And then most recently one of my incisor teeth. Right in the right in the front. They put the filling in, but they never got rid of all the decay, so the decay just festered and grew. Got worse behind the filling and two days ago the filling comes out and with that a good third of the tooth and there's just this constant pain and um yeah, it was just needed a, an emergency root canal and then a crown but with a temporary crown and a much better tooth I say that I was able to find a dentist who did a fantastic job but just sad to see that, you know, you go there to try to just fix these issues and all it does is cause more problems. I'm thankful at least that there's still some good consummate professionals out there who, you know, who, who understand that there's, you know, it's like a hierarchy, but they're there to help you out. So, that's what, um, what we got. I'm looking right now, you know, I'm a, a bit of a news junkie, I have a nose for news, I always like news, especially world news. See, domestic affairs in the U.S., I, I'll tell you why I hate them. Not, that doesn't mean that oh, I hate the country, and I, you know, I hate the attitudes that go along with it, because every damn thing becomes a partisan affair. Uh, and granted, while partisanship is uh, really part of uh, American culture at this point, I just hate it when events that should really be apolitical get labeled as being one party agenda or another, and if you take this viewpoint, you're obviously one of them, right? And uh, it's, it's just... Yeah, look at the coronavirus, for instance. It's something that is should not be a political issue. Now, if you want to talk about... All right, what is the U.S. doing? Yeah, I understand how some politics can tie into that, but the virus itself is inherently apolitical. It's It should be a common enemy that we could all unite everyone around the world. It's impacting all of us. And then to say, oh, if you wear a mask, you're this. If you think... Uh, in terms of doing this, you're that, and it's, it's just, forget it. It's why I just get so sick of it. It's like, they find an excuse to, f I don't want to say an excuse to fight, but it sure, it, I know that's not true, but it sure feels like it sometimes. So, that's uh, what we got, but I, that's why I like the international news a lot more. Plus, you know, the world doesn't revolve around the U.S., other things happen too. 
And, uh, you know, what got me into world news really was when I got into shortwave, picking up these international news stations, and, you know, you realize so much is going on, not just in the U.S. It put it into perspective. And that was, I think, 2014 or so. And that's when I really started following the Middle East and the situations with ISIS and uh, in Africa with Ebola and Boko Haram and all these events geopolitically. That's just what I've been doing ever since. Um, North Korea is one of those countries that I think interests a lot of people. It, it, it interests me for sure. Sometimes I, I can't help but... Don't, I'm not, that's not because I'm a North Korean sympathizer or anything. I think so many things that their government, at least what we, you know, what we're, we're pretty sure is uh, just deplorable action. It's disgusting and it's sad, but sometimes, you know, when people just go out and they say that they just want to, it's like they, they just want an excuse for war with North Korea under any circumstance. It's like, I guess just blow them up, just nuke them already. Just, yeah, yeah, kill them all off. You know, kill, kill them all. It's like, do you, do you know what you're saying? I don't know, just that, that, that's the attitude that really bothers me. We might have problems with their leadership. We might have problems with some of the people, some of the higher-ups there. But to just completely destroy their country, to me, is beyond reprehensible. I hope for a world of, of peace, to tell you the truth. But anyway, so Kim Jong-un, the, the uh, supreme leader of North Korea, some rumors going around right now that he, uh, I don't know, is he dead? Is he, uh barely alive? Is he doing just fine? I mean, what's going on? Uh, breaking news came in uh, right before I was getting on the microphone here. U.S. is monitoring intelligence that North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un is in grave danger after a surgery, according to a U.S. official with direct knowledge. So, this is obviously one of those reports where it's like, unconfirmed sources tell us this or tell us that. Sometimes it comes out to be true and it's a real bombshell. Uh, other times, not really, and it's like, well, yeah, so much for that unconfirmed source. It's just <laughs> kind of let us down. And it turns out it wasn't anything, but... All right, here's the situation. There's rumors going around right now. Obviously, some people deem it credible. Uh, that Kim Jong-un is either dead, uh, or is not doing good at all. Uh, obviously, his health hasn't been the best, you know, recently. He's, uh, 36 years old. I mean, he's a young guy. But, you know, he, let's face it, has a very, very high BMI. Uh, he's five foot seven inches tall and weighs about 300 pounds. That's a BMI of about, uh, at least according to this source, 45. Obviously, very... Uh, much overweight, so not the most healthy there. Um, but also, what kind of goes in conjunction with that is uh, he does have, you know, cardiovascular issues. And rumor has it, earlier in the month, he underwent a cardiovascular procedure. And I guess after that happened, there must have been complications with the surgery how he responded, how he reacted, and, um, you know, he's, 
Rumor has it that he had this heart surgery, and now he's not doing good. And, I mean, he might be dead right now. He might not be. We know how secretive uh, North Korea can be with information. Or he could just be sitting there on his computer uh, looking at this and kind of figuring out where the heck did people get this info from? You know, who, who's to say? But there's, there's rumors. I mean, another fact is that he hasn't been seen since the, um, well, all last week he was missing. He wasn't there for major uh, North Korean holidays that he's always there for. And uh, there's, you know, they're not sure where he is either way. He's missing. He did disappear back in late 2014, and obviously uh, more rumors were sprouted back then too, but maybe this seems a little more credible. We'll see. The one thing is that, um, you know, they say that U.S. is monitoring intelligence, that his health is in grave danger. And this person from the VOA, I guess, kind of tried to source it and said, does this mean they've read the single-sourced, unverified daily NK report? Or do they have separate indications that Kim Jong-un is in danger? Uh, what does intelligence mean here? Right, and that's true. Like, what do they have? Do they have CIA assets that are confirming this? Or are they literally looking at one dissident um, newspaper that, you know, obviously just wants him to die anyway and is saying this and they're just running with it? You know, which, which one is it? But, you know, again, we'll, we'll see. Lots of unconfirmed stuff. Speaking of unconfirmed reports, uh, the... I believe it was NBC deleted deleted this tweet because they they jumped the gun on this and this just goes to show how sometimes you see these reports that are so confident only for the info to be dead wrong case in point NBC got on the Twitter they said just flat out North Korean leader Kim Jong-un is brain dead if he's brain dead that's big according to two US officials he recently had cardiac surgery slipped into a coma um, they said NBC News confirms this. Now they deleted it. They deleted the tweet. And someone else said, FYI, this rumor was originally disseminated back in 2014 and uh, was being circulated as a fake news copy pasta uh, among South Koreans. Um, so it may offer hints to how credible it is, yeah. I wouldn't say that's very credible if they had to tweet it and then delete it. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. One other uh, noteworthy report, Yonhap News out of South Korea, reports that South Korean officials say they have picked up no signals of anything abnormal with Kim Jong-un's health. So is this, this, is this a rumor that went out of control? Kind of like 2014 when he was out of the public eye for a bit. Or is he really, uh, you know, either dead or, you know, maybe uh, at least in bad shape? I'd say, you know, there's a 50-50 chance of either one because we have to remember. Uh, there's lots of rumors about him, lots of fake news about him. But health issues can happen to anyone, especially, especially Kim Jong-un. No one's immune from this stuff. So we'll have to see if he dies. 
I don't think North Korea would retaliate. Uh, they might try and put the blame on the U.S. and say that, you know, someone poisoned him or whatever. But I just can't see any direct conflict launched. I think they would have their... You know, it, it would be like how um, Kim Jong-il, uh, they'll have a mourning period, and then his successor will be appointed. Who that'll be, we're not really sure, but... That's what's going on with North Korea. Obviously, some big news and lots of speculation. But uh, it's an interesting one to follow. It's kind of just happening live as I'm recording right now. So, we'll see. Either way, if he really does die, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a long time before the North Korean government confirms that report. Yeah, so anyway, that's what the situation with uh, North Korea is looking like. And, you know, it's all subject to change. I mean, I, I actually... I know I don't really... Especially for these miscellaneous shows, you know, it's not like I really try to time myself or pace myself. So I do take breaks, because it's not really time-sensitive. It's not like I made this show just to talk about, you know, North Korea or any of that. But... One, um, because I paused the microphone a little bit, and you can't even tell also with editing and whatnot, but I took a quick little break, really, just to get something to eat, because I had pretty much woken up, and, uh, anyway, uh, with the situation now, it's, it's looking more and more like, uh, Kim Jong-un is probably alive, you know, he probably had his operation, and, uh, you know, that's, that's about it. But, I mean, who knows? Again, these, these situations, they can change so rapidly. I mean, you look back in 2011 to, uh, the death of Kim Jong-il, and, you know, it was, like, weeks, I, I think, but before even anyone knew what was going on. I mean, they had their suspicions, but the very least, days. But I know there was a period of time where he was dead, and, uh, no one even new, you know, outside of the the higher-ups. So they have a tight control on info. They still do. I uh, did, on the topic of North Korea, uh, listen to their shortwave broadcast while I was taking a break. And, uh, they're, you know, they're one of the shortwave stations that if I ever get the chance to, to pick them up, I mean, I will listen to them uh, and, and to tell you the truth, uh, it's not really, it's, it's, it's nowhere near, some people I think they would think, oh, North Korean radio, you know, they would either think it's kind of cool, uh, or it's awful, and I'm, I'm, I'm in the camp where I think it's pretty, it's pretty cool, uh, because North Korea, number one, is, uh, one of the countries in the world where shortwave is, uh, used extremely extremely widely. I mean, it is probably as popular over there as AM radio is over here. Which, you know, AM radio, that's not saying much, but there's still millions and millions of listeners to AM, and pretty much everyone has a means to access it, you know, through one way or another, be that in your car or maybe through a, a alarm clock or something that you got. You know, you can probably listen to AM radio if you want, so... <clears throat> that's about the popularity comparison I would give it from estimates, because, you know, in North Korea, granted, 
there's lots of control by the government over media. And uh, it's not like, you know, because shortwave is really a, a window to the world. So you'd think, well, isn't that kind of stupid for it to be so popular there if uh, people could tune to all these international stations and listen to outside perspectives or whatever? And, uh, well, you see, what, what North Korean government does, I guess it's due to lack of infrastructure and just the coverage area, that's why they use it so much for broadcast over there. But they give out these radio sets to all the households, pretty much, that are pre-tuned, meaning, you know, you might have your radio, you might have the antenna, but instead of being able to just spin the dial or whatever, maybe there is just a couple buttons you could press, maybe like six buttons that, you know, one for each channel you could tune to, and they're all prefixed just to one frequency, and you can't tune outside of that. So let's say you press button one, it goes to station one, button two, you know, station two, etc. And that's all you can listen to. Now, it's a shortwave radio, but it's very limited. So they do that so that people can't tune outside of just these few stations and, you know, come upon the BBC or the Voice of America or KBS World Radio um, or, or many of the anti-government stations out there and, uh, you know, access that. But anyway, uh, you know, a lot of people, there's an underground industry where some people, they know how to hack these radios and allow people to tune freely. So as a result, there's lots of broadcasts from South Korea trying to reach those potential listeners. You know, the, all the international broadcasters transmit to North Korea pretty much. All sorts of anti-government groups do. Um religious stations do also and most radio listening that's kind of done covertly like that because it's it's illegal to have one of these modified radios and you know if they catch you i mean the consequences will probably be stiff so most of the time anyone who has one of these radios that can kind of tune outside of the special government stations uh, most of the time, people will kind of hide them, I've heard. Uh, this is from defectors who have reported this. And then, you know, like at, at night, they'll go and they'll kind of have the volume real low and, you know, they'll kind of listen late at night. So that's when most of the stations broadcast to North Korea, like, you know, after dark to try to capitalize on any of these uh, potential listeners. But a funny little tangent... Uh, back in 2017, I used to have a broadcast all the the way in East Asia on shortwave. I don't anymore just due to lack of funding because it was expensive. Um, because they knew, you know, you're broadcasting to a place where it's still uh, relevant. And you're guaranteed an audience if, if you transmit here. So, of course, they're going to charge a lot more uh, than what they would charge you, you know, for airtime to North America or Europe, you know, because it's just you're getting a much bigger audience, but I was able to get airtime on this transmitter in Uzbekistan, and they had it beamed uh, east from Uzbekistan, beamed toward Japan, so the signal would kind of skip up, and then it would start becoming audible uh, in Mongolia, 
then across uh, Manchuria, getting stronger. Uh, then it would get its strongest right around uh, North Korea, uh, South Korea, uh, and then it would just continue uh, into Japan. And it was just fascinating. There were so many listeners in Japan that would tune in very regularly. Uh, every single week, I would, I would get this deluge of, of feedback from uh, listeners all over Japan. And it was fascinating to see how many people over there uh, still have that interest in, in shortwave. And uh, it was such nice feedback. There was such a wonderful audience. It was, <laughs> it was awesome. But I remember uh, there were listeners there. There were, you know, I'd get some emails here and there from people in China that would be able to pick it up. Uh, people in India would listen in, too. You know, every now and then you would get an email from, you know, outside the target area from, uh, let's say, the Philippines or uh, even down in Australia. Sometimes someone all the way in Europe would be able to pick it up kind of weak. But what was always fascinating to me is I, I knew for a fact, based on the coverage maps and just the correspondence around it, uh, that the signal was hitting North Korea very, very strong. And, I mean, who knows? You know, of course, I never got any feedback from anyone in North Korea, but, I mean, who knows? You know, for the time that I did that broadcast, uh, you never know if the signal was strong enough. Maybe even one or two people over there kind of came upon it. I mean, who knows? You never know. There's a, there's a chance, but it's just kind of fun to, to think about anyway. God, if that opportunity ever presented itself, I would, boom, get back to uh, the broadcast to East Asia right away because uh, it was fun but nonetheless uh, in terms of North Korean radio I was listening to them you know because they have the domestic stations for the people in North Korea and then they have their international broadcasts in English and all these other languages and uh, they play some cool music you know it's like easy listening uh, North Korean music is, is actually it's pleasant it's nice to listen to you know it's uh, like a mix of let's say uh, classical um, opera easy listening uh, just very nice orchestral uh, piano selections sometimes some uh, brass as well thrown in just very relaxing and then of course they have more traditional selections but uh, the music is just awesome. It's it's very nice. It's it's funny though because you'll have these beautiful piano pieces that uh, they'll play on their broadcasts. Like I think people think that in North Korea people only listen to like this communist uh, marching music, and there are yeah there are selections like that that they play in every broadcast, like the uh, song of General Kim Il Sung and um, so forth. Which yeah that that fits that. Um, stereotype very very accurately um, and you know then they play probably like 40 minutes of other music in every airing and it's it's different it's cool though but it's funny though they, they have these beautiful piano selections that they'll sometimes play but the, the titles of the songs are uh, are something else like you'll hear this instrumental let's say again piano piece and the name of the uh, <laughs> you know the uh, 
the selection is something like uh, we will plow the fields with the blood of our adversaries or it's, it's like these outrageous titles for what the song is and it's uh, it's nothing short of just comically out of place but anyway I was listening to them and they always start off with the news but they didn't have a, a peep about uh, Kim Jong-un or his health or any of that and I didn't expect that to be the case they I, you know, I, I doubt they would say anything until they would absolutely have to, so nothing there, but no, North Korea, it's one of those countries that's of great interest to me. Well, that's all that, that's all that I have to say. Uh, so got in a bit of a, a tangent. I talked more than I intended to about North Korea, but I don't know, I just haven't, I think back in 2016, maybe I've talked about them at length, but no, no, it's a place of great fascination to me, and I could I could go on and on and on about, about them, but just one of those things. It's it's so weird, you know, there's some things that I could just talk about at great length that I just don't usually, because it's like, I mean, think of it this way, right? On the main channel, the report of the week, you know, for someone who sits there and reviews food, how out of place a video like this uh, talking about North Korea for, you know, however many minutes this was, would be. Or, you know, uh, if I if I went on and on about the Syrian uh, civil war, right? It's just like I could talk about Syria for uh, an extremely extended period of time. It's another one of those conflicts and situations I, I try to follow closely, but it's like it's just so out of place. So here and there when I do these miscellaneous shows, I'll, you know, maybe go on a tangent about it once or twice. So you got to hear one of the infamous geopolitical discussions. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, otherwise, uh, yeah, hope you're doing okay. And uh, on one other note, I, um, I was thinking about this, of course, as the pandemic is, is going on and as, uh, as it's continuing. Uh, it's obviously affected lots of our um, habits, lots of the things that we do, and uh, of course, into you know, in terms of the foods that we eat, um, this coronavirus pandemic has really uh, affected it greatly. I think, at the very least, maybe it's not about what we eat, but how we eat it, where we eat it, etc. But one item. And, I, you know, I, for one, I'm okay with this, to tell you the truth. I don't mind it. Someone was saying, I bet you'd be perturbed by it. No, I'm not, not really. It's, it's actually kind of nice to see, because it's one of my... You know, it's not a favorite food. Well, of, of frozen stuff, it is. That's, that's for darn sure. In terms of frozen food, it's definitely a favorite. But frozen pizza... Frozen pizza. I don't know if I got the whole word pizza out the first time, but there you go. F three times the charm. But, yeah. That food, frozen pizza, is... It is surging in popularity. I think... And this is just... All, I don't even have my computer or phone or anything nearby this is just off the but I, I I read somewhere I think that the amount of you know it's gone up like 70 
80%, I think in some cases 90%. Frozen pizza is uh, popular again. And, and for good reason too. For good reason. Because it's tasty. It's good, tastes good anyway. I, I can't say if it's good for you or not, but it certainly tastes good. It's, it's good for the mind, right? And it's easy to prepare. I mean, it, you know, you can stay in. You could really practice the, you know, isolation, social distancing, stay in. You know, enjoy the pizza. Don't have to worry about contaminants. Don't have to worry about uh, you know, having to uh, go into a pizza store, a pizzeria, wherever it is that you go. And uh, you still get some good pizza. You could just make it yourself. Have it for one person, have it for two, have it for the family. Everyone likes the pizza usually. And there's so much of it too, that's the other thing. There's so many different types. It's like, of all the brands, of all the varieties, if you like pizza, you're not gonna run out of choices. Now me, I'm very mundane. I'm not one of those people that needs some form of new uh, you know, stimulation every single day and I need, um, oh god, I can't eat those boring pepperoni pizzas, you know, one day after the next. And I know some people are like that, and that's fine, everyone's different. But I've never been that way. I could eat the same thing day after day after day after day, and it doesn't, it, it doesn't bother me. I don't know, I could just, it's, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be clawing up the walls if I have to eat that freshetta rising crust pepperoni pizza for the second day. Yeah, sure. Let's cook it up. Let's make it three days or four days. Why not? Yeah, it's a good pizza. <laughs> you know? But yeah, frozen pizza. Some people were saying, well, doesn't it bother you that so many other people are kind of getting in on it now that it's making it harder to, um, to get, you know, harder to uh, obtain? Is, is that an issue for you? No. No, not at all, because, you see, the other thing is that despite this heightened popularity or whatever you want to call it, right, in the world of frozen pizza now, it, it's not as though, you know, you, uh, or me, I, I have only one type, and it's just this one very particular type that only has limited availability and limited production, and all of a sudden it's like, this is the pizza that everyone wants, right? No, no, not at all. For me, I like the um, the main brands. And Freshetta, you know, while they, they may have some shortages, they're still making them. They're still available. You could still get it. So no, no, not at all. And as a matter of fact, it makes me happy to see frozen pizza uh, experiencing this renewed popularity because it's one of those types of food that I think was kind of neglected for a while. It was like, you know, frozen pizza in, in terms of like different types of pizza, just put it in the bottom of the barrel, you know? It's like, who cares? You can get the fresh stuff. So don't put any effort into it. Don't put any care into it. Don't put any um, attention to it. But I think now that more people are, uh, you know, really focusing on it, 
I think these companies might pay a little bit more attention to frozen pizza and uh, might make some changes for the better with some of these products. So, no, it's great. It's great. I, I, it's fantastic. Plus, I like doing the frozen uh, pizza reviews. And uh, if it applies to more people, I, again, that's just, that's an added bonus. You know, it helps out the channel. That's fantastic. A lot of the time, it was like when I did the frozen pizza reviews, it would just anger people. I didn't understand why. It was like, I guess it was just frozen pizza was regarded as like a lesser food. Like, why are you wasting your time on this thing? I don't want to see it. But now, you know, when I do the frozen pizza reviews, people, they seem to enjoy it. So that's great. I have fun reviewing them and fun eating them. And yeah, it's... So I'm happy to see frozen pizza as one type of food that's uh, really, you know, succeeding during these uh, these difficult times. One thing, of course, uh, for me in terms of frozen pizza is, you know, there's the different brands, there's the different types of it. Now, I've been eating frozen pizza pretty regularly for a while. I, yeah, I couldn't even tell you when I had my first one. I don't know. <laughs> uh, all I know is that I at least started eating them regularly since 2011. Really picked up in 2014, though. Really did. And back then... Now, see, here's one thing that's evolved slightly. Not, not by all that much, but slightly. Because, you know, when you got... Uh, your frozen pizza brands. I was just thinking of one in particular that kind of made me laugh a bit. But uh, when you have your frozen pizza brands, you know, you have different types. You have, right, the big freschetta uh, and DiGiorno. DiGiorno was probably the biggest. Uh, after that, I would, I would estimate that freschetta would be the second, probably a, a fairly close second. And then you have the other ones. You have uh, Red Baron, Tombstone. You have all these other types that are just cool. You know, there's, um, what is it, Dr. Etiker, I think. That's pretty good. That one is pretty darn good. Um, you have the store brand ones, which are hit or miss, but some of those are delicious. They're fantastic at times but it depends on the store. Um, you have then like these novelty ones. <laughs> this is the one I was kind of laughing at because I was just envisioning in my mind how the box is. Screaming Sicilian. The, the giant mustache, you know, or what? what is it? Like the big mustache or is it like the big gaping maw? I, which one is it? Is it, does the box? have the big or is it both is it the mustache and the giant mouth with all these giant teeth stuff i would have to assume that that's what it would be you know as the marketing was very very out there you know with the name screaming right screaming why just throw a mustache on the box of course it's gonna be a mouth it's like it's screaming with the flavor and with the pizza so yeah it's it's got to have the mouth on it and uh, yeah, there's Screamin' Sicilian, there was, um, I don't know what, I've never had this one, it's called like Eddie's or, or something, I don't know, 
I don't, I don't really know that name by by heart, but there's something called that, I think. Then I remember there was one called like Sasquatch, <laughs> Pizza, and just all these different types. So many more that I just can't even recollect on the spot. But, you know, I've tried my share and it's like, I'm happy to try out the different ones for the reviews, but otherwise I establish my favorites. And, you know, for casual eating, I just kind of stick with the favorites, right? Because, I don't know, for me, it's like, I know what I like, and that's just what I'm going to go with. You know, because when I want a frozen pizza, I want one... I'm looking for dependability. You know, I don't know, I'm just... That's how I am. I just want something that I know is going to be good, that that's not going to disappoint. But anyway, there was a little bit of an evolution in terms of the the frozen pizza... Um, consumption timeline, if if you want to use that, because you see, back in 2014, I was a, a DiGiorno fanatic. I mean, I was all in, uh, as I would sarcastically say, then I was all in for DiGiorno, right? The DiGiorno, and uh, it was because their pizza was better. All right, let's be frank: the, the pizza was better in 2014. My favorite, and this goes for all of them, I like the rising crust the best. Because it's not like a deep dish pizza, but it's more like a pan pizza in that it's not too thin and crispy, which, now those can be good too, but I've been trying to take a little bit of a break from those this last year, you know, with all the dental woes, you know, but as I, as I get my teeth fixed, that's just gonna get better and better, and especially once, because right now I have this temporary crown on my uh, one of my front teeth, and then you know I'll get the permanent one on in a couple weeks, and you know it's 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 so awesome to have something there again. After there was this tooth that was so messed up, and just I was worried it was gonna be another loss, but but it wasn't thankfully. But anyway, I just don't want to go, you know, chomping down on something like a, a hard cracker right on it and have the temporary crown fall off or break or something. You know, but once that's fixed, then I'll kind of move back into some thin and crispy ones too. But either way, regardless of the state of my mouth or teeth or any of that, the, um, the rising crust has always been my favorite. Because, I don't know, I just, I, I like how there's more substance to it. I've always been a big fan of that. That you know, it's just like when you when you bite in, I don't just get that full flavor. I've just always been a fan. And uh originally I was a big fan of DiGiorno's Rising Crust Pizza. I would say this is just my opinion, mind you. DiGiorno peaked. Now, I'm not talking in terms of profits or popularity, but in terms of the quality. Uh, to me, anyway, they peaked in 2014. Like, if you want to talk about the glory days, uh, then look no further than 2014. I mean, if, if you had the pleasure of trying out DiGiorno frozen pizzas back then, uh, they were, I mean, to me, anyway, they were fantastic. Like, they were, oh, they were delicious. 
almost unrivaled, especially their rising crust. Because they were one of the pizza chains that changed their image somewhat in 2014 uh, to the extent that they tried to make it more artisan-like. Now, sometimes when these places do it, it's like it's cringy. It's like, oh, well, you know, they're trying to be something that they're not. They're not really doing a good job at it. It's like they charge more, they make it look fancy, and it just tastes worse. I think we've seen that happen many a time. But this is one of those situations where they did it. They didn't charge you anymore. And my God, did they make it taste good? because they took the rising crust pizzas and it was just such a simple change, but you know, it makes a big difference. Sometimes the simplest of tweaks changes the entire game. And they just said, look, we're um, changing our sauce. We're changing our sauce and we're going to just add um, various herbs and various different, you know, just different tweaks to it. And then they would also season the pizza with like this little just Italian seasoning. And did that make a difference? Not only was the seasoning great, and it just blended in really well with the cheese, the pepperoni, the base, but the sauce was awesome. It just had this flavor to it that of course as time passes it gets harder to recollect. But it was just so pleasant. It was like it was so robust. And it was flavorful, but it had a lot more substance to it. Because, see, the problem that I had with the Giorno before then was their sauce was awful. It was this run, runny, liquid, uh, just red, not even like a paste. It was like a red, runny liquid. Like tomato soup poured onto the pizza and frozen, you know? It was like so cheap, so watery. And then it's like, why? You bite in, it's like this watery crap. So, the fact that they got their sauce, it wasn't runny anymore, but it had substance. You know, it was more, much more solid. And I liked that. I liked that it wasn't this soup anymore, but it was like a real pizza now. It wasn't like some cheap frozen, uh, thing anymore. It was much better. And it made a world of difference. When I figured out, wow, they really, really, they made a change. I wasn't sure, but they made a change and it was for the best. I mean, it was the best thing they could have done. I was a convert. I mean, that's just what I got from, from then on. That was my go-to. Of course, you would, um, you know, no, especially with these companies, no good thing seems to last forever. And I think it was in late 2014 or early 2015. I mean, it was so good. And then they gave this BS excuse on their website saying, oh, we heard your complaints, um, but we want the will of the people. Uh, we're going to go back to our old ways, our old sauce, and uh, we're going to discontinue this this um, new, you know, artisan-type pizza. I was devastated. Thought many expletives at the time. You know, and 
And now I, I, I have a feeling to get a little, you know, kind of silly, but conspiracy-like. I don't think a single, I mean, probably a couple people did, complained. I don't think that there is any sort of mass campaign against DiGiorno. I think that because they actually went ahead and upgraded their ingredients, used better quality materials, and they weren't upcharging the pizzas as a result, uh, they weren't making money. So they needed to stop the good stuff, even though it made the pizzas taste a lot better, go back to the cheap stuff so they could make a better profit. Now that's how businesses work, but it was disappointing regardless. But uh, over time, DiGiorno, it's like they, they eventually changed their sauce again, and they no longer use this runny crap. And it's gotten better, gotten much better. But still, it's just not the same, you know? The best pizza now from DiGiorno uh, are the stuffed crust ones. Those are, I mean, they're much better than you'd think. Any stuffed crust pizza, I think, from DiGiorno is good. Especially, of course, the standard pepperoni in my book, but also uh, the bacon one that I reviewed um, around, I guess it was before Easter. That one was surprisingly good. So the stuffed crust DiGiorno ones right now are good. They, they hold their own. And um, even the rising crust ones are nowhere near as bad, you know, as they were back in... Um, 20, you know, before they made them good and then switched back. They've gotten better over the years. Um, you know, they have all these other novelties like um, brick oven. Those are okay. They have a deep dish one that I don't know. I'm just not a fan of. The, the deep dish is harder to do. And um, just wasn't really feeling that one. But my favorite now is freschetta. Freschetta is the closest thing to, you know, that level of quality. The Freschetta Rising Crust is, is by far my favorite. Rising Crust Pepperoni, the simpler the better with the Freschetta, but they just do a good job. Again, just that quality, that just robust sauce, it isn't runny, it has that solidity, but it's, just, it's, it's delicious, has even like this, it's great. And it's not as good as how that one DiGiorno used to be, but it's the closest thing. Now, Freshetta Rising Crust. I'm a big fan. Um, Freshetta Brick Oven. I don't know if they make those anymore. I think they still do. I think they still do. Just the store that I go to just doesn't really sell those variants, but I'm pretty positive they still do. The Brick Oven, though, those are fine. They taste good. Been a fan of those, too. And there used to be a time, this isn't made anymore. Now this, you gotta go back to like 2012, 2013, I think it was. But I believe there was such a thing as like a freschetta garlic bread pizza, which I mean, was actually good. It was like the base was this garlic bread and then they had the pizza on top of it. But wow, that was way better than you'd think for a frozen pizza. But I think they got rid of that. So yeah, freschetta is good. Um, Red Baron is another one that's pretty solid. I, I like all the Red Baron ones. Um, my favorite Red Baron pizza um, used to be Red Baron Rising Crust. And the only place I could ever even get that was up in New York from uh, Stop and Shop. ShopRite never had it, but Stop and Shop 
did grocery stores up there in New York tri-state area. And um, then when I was last there, I was looking around Stop and Shop, and I couldn't see it anymore. Maybe they got rid of them. I don't, I don't know, but that was my favorite from Red Baron. Those are my, my um, you know, three biggest brands, but my favorites from each. And otherwise, you know, the novelties are all uh, hit and miss. There was, um, oh, Tony's Pizza. That's another one. They were okay. Screaming Sicilian, for all the hype and for all the marketing to get to those quirky millennials, right? It's eh, a joke. <laughs> they, um, I don't know. It just wasn't as good as the box made it seem. That's all. And, uh, yeah, frozen pizza. It's hit or miss. We all have our favorites, but those are mine. You're listening to VORW. And with that, I think we're, uh, getting toward the end of, uh, today's show. Hope you enjoyed it. It's just a miscellaneous, uh, discussion. I think there will be more like this to, uh, follow. It's just, you know, when you change it up a little bit, it, it, it gets, it, it gets really fun. Just kind of pace around again and uh, just talk, you know. But anyway, uh, I'm feeling it enough. Let's uh, end the show with a few short listener emails. Uh, since I probably have opened the door to doing more uh, shows like this, if there's anything that you want to talk about, it does not, uh, again, I repeat, does not need to be related to the coronavirus. If you have any questions, uh, points, things you want to bring up, talk about anything you want. Total complete 100% open lines um, but if you want to have any uh, feedback or viewpoints or uh, questions uh, that maybe you want to have uh, read or discussed in a future show a uh, way to do it is simple you can contact this program at vorwinfo at gmail.com once again that's vorwinfo at gmail.com uh, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Cumlin, he uh, checks in and says, uh, What are your thoughts on the iDubs drama that happened earlier in the month? Thank you, Cumlin. Uh, you know, here here, here we go. <laughs> uh, iDub is, of course, um, I'm sure many of you listening know who he is. Uh, some of you might not, but he's a, a very popular YouTuber. And uh, earlier on in the month, uh, he was uh, the source of some controversy uh, due to, I guess, really his girlfriend and uh, the fact that she had set up an account for this website called OnlyFans, which a lot of people use, uh, of course, for uh, various types of pornography. And, uh, you know, she was selling, I, I suppose, various um, pictures of herself, you know, for profit. And uh, a lot of people were kind of, you know, making fun of uh, iDubs for kind of having his, you know, being fine with his uh, girlfriend doing this. And, um, you know, people were calling him, what was the big word, uh, simp, right? And uh, lots of people, I think, Maybe had genuine concerns, frustrations. Uh, other people, of course, you know how the internet is. 
uh, when something kind of gains traction. Some people, whether they really, you know, feel that way sincerely or not, they kind of, you know, jump on board the train. And uh, he was getting a lot of ridicule, a lot of um, criticism for it. And he made a video trying to defend his uh, stance that he's okay with uh, that kind of stuff. And uh, some people, you know, didn't really respond to it well. Um, what is my viewpoint on it? Uh, to tell you the truth, I don't. I don't care. Now, I don't. I'm not saying that to take it out on you for asking. Uh, it's really just a situation that I, I flat out, uh, don't care about. You know, I just don't. It's one of those drama things. Of course, it gets people talking. Uh, some people will take sides, but. To me, it just has no bearing on anything that's going on in the world right now. You know, I just, instead of sitting there and getting riled up over, over whether he supports this or doesn't or or what, I'd rather just devote the time to observing the coronavirus pandemic. Or right now, you know, seeing what's going on with Kim Jong-un and um, monitoring various intel and radio and do some... Even just do some light reading. I'd much rather do that than, um, you know, participate in the discussion. Is he a simp or, or not? What's going on? You know, it's... In, in short, is his, you know, his viewpoint and his perspective and um, that kind of stuff something that I would ever be comfortable with? No, no, not at all. Because I'm just, I'm, I'm not that, that kind of person. You know, everyone's different, but I'm just not one of those people. Um, you know, would some call his behavior, uh, you know, morally uh, reprehensible? Sure. But it's his life. You know, some people, they might find it silly. They might find it as a target for ridicule or criticism. But if it's his life, if that's something that he's comfortable with, if that's something that his girlfriend is comfortable with, if she's doing this by her choice and no one's being forced into it one way or another, but if she wants to take these pictures, distribute them for a profit, and if that's by her will, and he's totally fine with that, and no one's being harmed, then, you know, it's their life. It's their choice. They're, they're, they're adults. It's their life. That's all. Not hurting anyone, not harming anyone. He can do what he wants. There's plenty of worse things one can do. But again, is it something that personally, uh, you know, I necessarily agree with? No. But I don't really care. I don't mind him. I'm not going to stop watching his channel or his videos just because of this. I, I don't really care. It's like, yeah, okay, well, that's that. On to the next. Doesn't matter. So that's my two cents. I really don't have a viewpoint. It's not something I would ever do, not something I'm comfortable with, but, you know, I don't know. It just doesn't seem as big of a, a deal, I think, as some people may, may see it as. Carlos checks in. Huge fan, have a question. Is the Thursday music show still on the air via TuneIn? Thank you, Carlos, for checking in. Uh, yes. Yep, all the music shows still go out via TuneIn had some reports of people on Chrome are having trouble accessing TuneIn. Um, so if you are, I would recommend, because all the streams are up, they still work, so try using a different browser. 
if Chrome gives you problems, uh, use a different browser, maybe try the app, and uh, you could still access them. Um, otherwise, there usually are backup streams, which if you need the links to those, just let me know. And uh, you could also listen direct over the airwaves as well, which will be unobstructed and um, not hindered at all. But yeah, there's four tune-in streams in total. Uh, tune-in stream at 6 p.m. Eastern every Thursday uh, via WRMI. So you could find that by just uh, looking on the tune-in, just search WRMI. And then at 6 p.m. Eastern every Thursday, you'll find it right there. Uh, that's the one stream, 6 p.m. Eastern Thursday. Next stream is 5 p.m. Eastern Friday, again on WRMI. So do the exact same thing, but one hour earlier every Friday. Uh, the third stream is on WNQM at 3 a.m. Eastern every Saturday. So Saturday, 3 a.m. Eastern. Uh, again, just search WNQM on TuneIn, and you'll find it. My show will be there. Uh, that should be especially convenient for um, any night owls, listeners on the West Coast, and um, especially any uh, listeners in Europe who might be starting their day. Uh, it's a really good time for that. And then the fourth stream is also on Saturday, but at 6 p.m. Eastern. And the station there is WWCR1. That's WWCR1, the number one, because there's four WWCR streams. You know, so if you go to WWCR3 or 2 or 4, uh, you'll find some different show, not me. So WWCR1, that's a transmitter one, and uh, that's where you'll find um, my show. But yep, it's all still going out. Thank you for asking, Carlos. Ben, Cornwall, England. Hope you're doing well. Um, when the situation improves with the virus, what's the biggest thing you look forward to doing again? Maybe a place you want to visit or an activity to return to. So thank you, Ben. Uh, one thing that I really look forward to, uh, number one, just being able to go for some nice walks in areas that are currently closed down right now we're just being able to walk in general without you know fear uh so that's one thing because i i don't really do all that much but walking is a very simple thing that's just enjoyable so that's one uh, and number two uh when you know being able to safely travel by um airplane, and also via train, again, um, you know, be able to do that, be able to just uh, travel around a little bit, so that's all, no real destinations in mind for now, it's just kind of see what happens, but and that's what I kind of look forward to, and it's going to take however long it takes to get back to normal. Uh, in, in my latest video I did on the report of the week, I was trying to, and sometimes, you know, I think we have issues with delivery, and, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things, it's like, when you're, well, you could always look, you could always look back at something, put a magnifying glass over it, 
You could always catch something. Say, I wish I said this, wish I phrased that differently. I didn't think I really got the point out as good as I wanted to. Right. And I was trying to give, you know, a more optimistic, positive message about the virus. And I was trying to say that, look, I know things are tough right now, uh, but there will be a day when it'll get better. And, you know, it will return uh, to normal. But I wasn't trying to say, uh, yeah, it's going to turn, um, it's going to get normal next week, so uh, get ready, uh, you know, because, no, if, if you think that things are going to get normal in the next couple of months, you know, I, I just don't want people, I'm sorry I didn't stress that better, uh, you don't want people to build up a false hope. Uh, you know, things probably, they may slow down a little bit, maybe they won't. And then there might be a second wave. Might be a third wave. A virus might mutate. Maybe it'll you know, mutate further. So there's already 30 mutations with the virus, uh, some of which it's become stronger, others it's become weaker. Maybe one of those mutations will become more prevalent. Um, there's so many changes. We just don't know. So, you know, it's a duration event. It's going to last for a while, for a long time. But eventually, one day, it, it will get better. That's what I was trying to say, because it seems endless. You know, and you don't want to say, well, uh, oh, it's never going to get better, or I don't know when, and uh, just deal with it. Uh, because, you know, people, I think, have to realize and have to know things are tough, things are going to be they're going to be this way, they're going to be different for a long time, but it's not going to be like this for forever. It might be like this longer than we want it to be. But there will be a time when eventually... Yes, things will get better. They really will. Uh, you know, one good example, some people might say, well, it's spread so far, it never will. But it's still okay to hold out hope. And if you ever want to uh, read this in some free time, uh, I recommend research, research smallpox. That's a, a disease I've been very interested in lately. And I've been researching smallpox, uh, gosh, pr probably like an hour, at least a good hour a day for the last week or two, just reading up on it, uh, especially the eradication and the status of it post-eradication. But smallpox in the early 1950s uh, was responsible, I believe, for over 50 million uh, infections per year. So massive. Could you at 50 million? And by the late 70s, smallpox ceased to exist outside of a few facilities where it was being studied. And there has never been a case since then. So, for something as widespread as smallpox to become gone, just like that, I think is incredible. So never say never. I think some people thought smallpox would never go away, but it did. And hopefully it'll stay that way. Hopefully smallpox will never return. I mean, as for me, there's, you know, the debate, should we keep the remaining samples of smallpox that we have? You know, the virus, because I believe it's called the variola virus, I believe. Uh, should we keep the samples of it that we have, or should we destroy that too so that it all is gone forever?
And as for me, I think we should keep the samples. Keep it, of course, under lock and key, guard, whatever you got to do. But, I mean, you never know when it might prove useful for research or breakthroughs. I mean, you never know. Or in the unfortunate event, if it ever spreads again, uh, you know, it just it might be something useful to have. It might help. So, I think it should be kept. But right now, there's just two locations in the world where the smallpox uh, virus is housed. Uh, the CDC in Atlanta, and I know a, a secure facility in Russia as well, and that's it. Now, do I think it's really just those two places in the entire world, and that's it? Uh, no, no, I, I, I don't think so. Every now and then, it's getting rarer, thankfully, but every couple years, like every five, six years, uh, you'll get a news story that'll come up about how, you know, someone discovered some smallpox samples elsewhere. And, uh, you know, it kind of, someone finds something. I know in like the early 2000s, someone was going through some old book from the Civil War and found an envelope with all these scabs from smallpox that were kind of, I guess, preserved in there. Uh, I know in like 2014, I think it was, there were a bunch of old uh, samples just in the back of some, uh, back in one of the, the freezers, just neglected um, at the National Institute of Health. And uh, they've been sitting there since the 50s. And uh, those samples proved viable in a culture. So, I mean, if that ever got out, that would have infected someone. Then there were some samples in 2017 that were found in some lab in South Africa. And I mean, it's rare, but I, I'm sure right now it's probably still sitting in the back of some freezer in a lab somewhere, but it's it's very rare, and the, the fact that it's there hasn't been a single case of it since the late 70s is truly breathtaking. Just goes to show what inoculations are capable of. So it's just something to think about, that's all. Uh, we got an email from Johnny in Oklahoma. What is your favorite energy drink these days? I used to be a Red Bull fan, but here lately, I've really been enjoying Monster in the Monster Ultra series. I've always been a Monster fan, always. Uh, I usually just like the regular Monster. But Monster Ultra, that is, look, you are a man of taste. And I, I say that, I, those, that's, that's a good one. Monster Ultra is good. Regular Monster is good. Um, one of my favorites was Monster Import. I don't know if that's still around or not, but I haven't seen it in a while, but Monster Import is always good. Used to be one that now I know is discontinued, Uber Monster. That was another good one. But Monster Import, that was a good one. It just had the smoothness to it, which is wonderful. Uh, the Juice Monsters, those are fantastic too. Uh, even the Monster, the Java Monsters are pretty good. So many of them are good. Red Bull is also uh, pretty good, though. I just like the basic Red Bull. I'm not a big fan of all the flavored ones. But the basic Red Bull is good. Uh, the Coke energy drink is all right. Coca-Cola. And, uh, yeah, no, mostly just a monster consumer. It's one of my favorites there. Finally, we have an email from Amy in Iowa. 
Uh, a question I get a lot, but uh, always happy to answer it. Interested in getting a shortwave radio to listen to broadcasts uh, from around the world, like you were talking about in a recent broadcast. Could you recommend a reasonably priced shortwave radio? I'm sure many of your listeners would be interested as well. So uh, thank you, Amy. I always recommend uh, the Texun radios. Uh, that's T-E-C-S-U-N, Texun. Uh, you know, some people, I think, they think I'm saying Texan. You know, like Texan, you know, from Texas. But it's Texun. It's a uh, Asian company. Uh, T-E-C-S-U-N. Uh, the models that are my favorites are the Texun PL380, the Texun PL310. Uh, those two are good. They're inexpensive, but they're fantastic. They're good portable radios, uh, really good shortwave radios. You'll be able to hear a lot of stuff on it. Uh, a bit pricier, and uh, you know, with today's economy, it's up to you if you can afford it or not. Um, but the Texun PL660, that's my go-to radio. It's so durable. It's so sensitive. It picks up so many stations. I listen to that every single day, and it just provides stellar audio quality. It's got a good antenna, picks up a lot. So if you could afford it, I say always go for the PL660. And then if you want to upgrade it a little more, you can go to the Texun PL880. But I think that the PL660 is much better for the price. Uh, other, you know, brands, if you don't, if you just don't want to go with Texun, um, there is C-Crane, that's C-C-R-A-N-E, C-Crane, um, the C-Crane uh, CC Skywave, that's a good one, uh, the CC Skywave SSB, that's another good one, and, uh, one model that you, uh, I just saw in the email there that you uh, asked about, which is also good, uh, Kato, K-A-I-T-O, K-A-500. Now, that's an emergency radio. There's lots of these Kato radios, which are good, uh, which just are really good emergency radios. I have one, actually, just in case, you know, for severe weather or whatever, uh, grid failure, you know, you name it, that... It's just like the ideal emergency radio, you know, it comes with AM, FM, shortwave, weather band. This is perfect for people who live, you know, in Tornado Alley and whatnot. Uh, it uses batteries, but it also has the hand crank, so you could just, you know, twist the crank if needed, and you could keep it going indefinitely. It has a solar panel that can actually power the radio as well, which is great in, in Florida here. Leave it in the sun and you have yourself a working radio. Uh, it just has all sorts of little gadgets and nooks and crannies. It has a light on it. it has something that you can turn to red, I think, and it'll flash uh, SOS in uh, Morse code, I believe. Uh, all these features that are just really, really good for just a really good emergency um, survival radio. So... Uh, it's still good for casual listening. I think it's good to just keep it for an emergency, but uh, it's good too. And I've, I've listened to various broadcasters on that too. It picks up the signals fine. So that's another good one if you want to try it. That Cato radio. But um, a, good, a good resource. You could just Google all of them, see the reviews, and pick whichever one you want. Uh, a good centralized location if you want to get a radio. 
um, make sure you check out my Amazon store, amazon.com slash shop slash the report of the week. And I have like 30 radios right there on this page. All different makes, models, um, sizes, prices, kind of anything that you're looking for. You know, again, if you want like a good survival radio, if you want like a really small pocket radio that you could just fit in your shirt or pants pocket, um, if you want a bigger radio that you could put on your desk or tabletop, um, if you want just a portable radio that you can carry around where you can put, you know, on the counter or your desk or whatever next to your bed. Um, I have various adjustments for the antennas, these wires. You can connect to the antenna, string it up, and it'll just boost reception. So all sorts of good stuff right there. It's just, you know, if you buy one there too, it'll, I won't get a lot of just a couple cents, but you know, hey, if you do want to support the show and you want to get a radio, that's a way you could do it. That helps. And with that, that's all that I have for today's broadcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Had a lot of fun just kind of doing this miscellaneous one. But uh, I hope it was enjoyable. Thank you so much for listening in, and do take care. This is VORW.